You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol, and Merry Christmas to you. And hello, everyone, and Merry Christmas to you as well. And welcome to episode 81. Today is the second of our December series on relationships at Christmas. I love the phrase, quote, he gets me, unquote, or she gets me. You hear it in romantic chick flick comedies a lot. Not so much in the Bruce Willis genre of I have to kill the bad guys or else the world will be destroyed, movies. No, you don't hear it much there. I love the he gets me phrase because it captures a feeling of connection, oneness, and understanding between two people in just three little words. It describes a relationships where you don't have to explain yourself much because someone knows you so well. You have this long history with each other and you know each other so deeply that words just aren't necessary. Those of us who have a relationship like this treasure it. But what about the rest of us? How can we get this gift of connection where we can say of another person, you know, they get me? The Christmas story found in the Bible gives us an example of such a relationship. And today I want to take a look at that relationship to see what we can learn from it that we can apply in our own relationships. The story I have in mind is part of the Christmas story as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. I'll just read a few verses, and then we'll talk about the relationship that we see in in this uh, passage. The Gospel writer Luke writes, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age! Exclamation point. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, this next section in Luke's uh, 
account is, is really key for what we want to talk about today. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Well, that's the story I want us to consider. And let's start with this character, Mary. What do we know about her? We know, for example, that she was a teenager and really no older than 14, possibly younger. And she was from Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is located some 15 miles west of the Sea of Galilee and 20 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea. Nazareth had a population between only two and 400 people during the time that Jesus lived there. And it was a village that really wasn't known for anything significant except the childhood home of Jesus. He was known as Jesus of Nazareth. Up to the time of Jesus, Nazareth was just a small podunk village not known for anything that it had to offer the world. In the Gospel of John, for example, this character Nathaniel, in reference to Jesus, says, or asks, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And in a town this size, everyone knows everyone and each other's business. So that's where Mary is from, Nazareth. Gabriel tells Mary as a virgin that she's going to get pregnant and as a result give birth to the Savior of the world, a humanly impossible feat that defies the science. He then tells Mary of another humanly impossible feat, Her elderly relative, Elizabeth, well, she's pregnant too. I wonder if he orchestrated John the Baptist's birth late in the life of his parents to give Mary a companion, a fellow traveler who was also dealing with the humanly impossible. They were going to be in it together. They were not going to be trusting the science alone. They would have each other. What a a great connection. Well, in just three days after Mary's visit from Gabriel, she hurries to her relative Elizabeth's house. I find that interesting, the word hurries. Not goes, it says she hurries. Now, Elizabeth may have been her aunt or a cousin. We really don't know. And I wonder, though, how did Mary explain her leaving to her own mother? I wonder if her mother was still alive. How did she explain it to Joseph? How did she explain it to anybody in this little podunk town? And then, why did she go? Well, I think it's clear that God, through his Spirit, told her in so many words, You go, girl. You go, girl. When Mary reaches Elizabeth's home, uh, there is really much joy in the house. Elizabeth was over the moon excited with Mary's arrival. How affirming Elizabeth was to Mary at a time when Mary needed some connection with another human being 
who had a sense of what was going on within her, both within her body and her mind and her heart. The text of Luke's Gospel says that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. Well, Elizabeth was already six months pregnant. So what does that mean? This would be a good third-grade math question. Now, the math tells me that Mary was possibly around for the birth of John the Baptist, Elizabeth's son. Wow, what great preparation for a 14-year-old like Mary for what would happen to her in nine months. What great preparation for her pregnancy itself and going through Elizabeth's pregnancy with her together. And then I wonder about Zechariah. What did he think? Here's this young relative, maybe a cousin or a niece of his wife, who moves in for three months, so much younger than they were. What was it like for him and for the two women, Elizabeth and Mary, to be with Zechariah for that long a period of time? While Elizabeth's pregnancy was a mystery and a miracle to her friends and neighbors, Mary's pregnancy was a source of shame to her friends, family, and people in the village of Nazareth, where everyone knew each other's business. I think Mary needed Elizabeth more than Elizabeth needed Mary. Elizabeth, the older woman, is blessing Mary, the younger woman. This relationship between older women and younger women has always been interesting to me. You know, the Bible talks about how older women are to be an encouragement and mentor to younger women, and younger women are to look up to older women for advice on on godly living. It reminds me of a time when Janet was involved with a, a women's ministry at our church. It was a very large church, and they had this ministry called Moms and More, Moms and More. I always wondered what the more part was, but I, you know, it just always was moms. They should have called it just moms because there was never any more moms and more. Well, the, the model of this particular ministry was that, that Janet and others like her were supposed to be a mentor to younger women, which Janet was certainly available to do and quite qualified. But she noticed that the younger women almost always relied on their peers for advice about dealing with the many issues that young moms deal with. She found that it was just a rare occasion when these young moms really would go to someone like Janet, who was older, who had been down the path before, and who knew where the booby traps were hidden and how to deal with them. Just didn't happen very often. Well, back to our story. Mary goes on to praise God when she greets Elizabeth, and we'll get into that uh, in the next episode. But for now, what a beautiful and intimate connection between Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth knew what was happening to Mary even before her visit, because God's Spirit told her. Mary didn't. And just as the Spirit of God told Mary what was happening with Elizabeth as well. And the Spirit of God still works that way today, putting people together, connecting them with each other, in a way that advances God's plan for the whole world, not just for one's individual happiness. The Holy Spirit still prompts us to reach out and connect with people of God's choosing. 
What a, what a great Christmas gift of connection for both of these women before the very first Christmas. This connection was a gift from God to both Elizabeth and Mary. Well, if you forget everything else, here's the one thing I hope you remember from today's episode. It's this. Giving a Christmas gift of a deep personal connection with someone who gets us, who understands us, is one of the best Christmas gifts you can ever give. Here's what we can all do in response to today's program. We can ask, who can we try to connect with who gets us, who understands us? If there's no one on the horizon who can do that for us, who is someone we can extend ourselves to in an effort to get them, to understand them? Who might the Holy Spirit be telling us we could be an Elizabeth to? What in your experience has prepared you to be an Elizabeth to someone else? Who is someone that you know with the cards stacked against them like they were against Mary that we can come alongside to let them know that you will be with them in whatever they are dealing with, that you'll walk through things together with them, even if it's shame. As always, another thing you could do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes, or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. Another thing you could do is check out episode 45 entitled Seven Relationship Lessons from the Greatest Christmas Movie Ever Made. Well, in closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show, both to reflect and to act, so that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And now our Relationship Code of the Week comes to us from Elizabeth David, who said the following, There are people who take the heart out of you, and there are people who put it back. May we all be the kind of people that put it back. Well, Merry Christmas, and look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye for now.